So let me ask you something. Do you think I look like Humphrey Bogart? No. Well, you see, that's interesting because I'm a big film buff. Bogart was the best, the king. When I was in the joint, there was a movie producer who was in there with me, and I, I says to him, I says, do you think I look like Humphrey Bogart? And he says, well, yeah, you do, but a stretched out version of him. <laughs> it's a fantastic story. Great. Wow, we're here. Um, yeah, we're this here. This is wonderful. Uh, welcome to another thrilling quarantine episode of Heat Seeking Panther. Um, mm -hmm. This is truly, if this uh, is the I'm wave of the future, I don't know how much longer we can do this. Um, <laughs> Dude, my, my garage is so fucking hot. I am already just sweating my ass off out here. I, I had to turn um, off my to AC keep that in. Uh, to, do, to record this, and it's been uh -huh. less than 15 minutes, and I'm already, like, sweating buckets. Um, yeah, I might be naked before this is over yeah yeah, yeah we um, should all get i i just i just wish we could all get naked and just squirt ketchup and mustard on yeah. each other <laughs> <laughs> that would be wonderful you know dream was, come true yeah it's truly amazing and hopefully paul schrader can also be naked behind the camera directing us yeah, yeah. um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but before we uh, do you think do, do you think a la the canyons that yes. he was naked during yes, the filming of that which scene? I will definitely get into before we go any further I do want to yeah, introduce we'll... our guest Ashley Nagel Ashley thank you so much for being here um thank you oh thanks guys it's so hard to you know find time right now to, I know to it's crazy yeah. it's crazy I think maybe you might might be the one guest who's seen as many cage films as we have so far uh, that we've had on I, I would say that's a high possibility since I have seen, oh, I mean, how many has he come out with? I've probably oh, like, seen at least 80% of the movies he's come out with. No yeah. shit. That's oh, extremely, yeah. and you're not even doing it for academic purposes like we are. That's like, <laughs> yeah. that is truly Yeah, yeah, for science like we are. Yeah, I'm for doing it for science. personal growth. So. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, it's my meditation. It's my yoga. Let, let's do, uh, we, we always ask our guests this, usually at the end, but let's do it now. Like, uh, top three cage roles. Ooh, uh, I mean, so for the longest time, I used to say that my absolute favorite Nick Cage movie was Vampire's Kiss. Yeah. But having rewatched it again recently, uh, it might be a little too rapey for me. It's extremely yeah. rapey. <laughs> I think every time I watch that movie, I kind of block that out because the rest is so good. And then when I rewatch it, I'm always like, Fine. oh, yeah. I need to stop blocking this out. It's real. Well, yeah. And it's not like it's not pro rape, but a lot of the story, <laughs> a lot of the story revolves around uh, sexual assault and, and power. Hey, so. hey, guys, listen, hashtag not all vampires. OK. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not all cages, okay? Yeah. That's true, but like a, a weird amount of them? <laughs> but a lot of them. Uh, and then, of course, Valley Girl is near and dear to my mm. heart. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, who can say no to face off? That pretty much informed my life. I still tell the people that I love uh, by giving them face waterfalls to this day. <laughs> um, but more recent, oh. Nick Cage, I'm... I mean, the trust and Mandy are way up there for me. Too. Oh, you're a fan of the trust too. I am. Yeah. That movie was great. I was surprised. It's, yeah, yeah we, we. I uh, see that you are a woman of culture. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Got, we we were great. huge fans of that one, especially at the time. It felt like a cool drink of water in the desert of his like filmography. Yeah, it it, it was an oasis. 
Yeah, sure. I think, I mean, this is probably just an antidote, but um, one day over Christmas, a group of friends and I decided to try to watch as many Nick Cage movies that were on Netflix Mm -hmm. in one night. Of course, it is nearly impossible. So what we ended up doing is we would just fast forward to all the scenes that only Nicolas Cage was in. So we Uh did that with, well, that's not true. We actually ended up watching all of Left Behind because it was so good that we had to. But uh, the one with Nicole Kidman, Trespass, I think. Dude, we just forwarded is- to all of his oh. scenes. What? Trespass is one of, one of the worst ones that I think we've watched. And actually, that movie's amazing because the amount of talent that is in it. You would think like Nicole, like, like Nicole Kidman, uh, and I mean, like, say what you will about his aesthetic. Like, Joel Schumacher is like a professional, like, director that yes. has been working for decades. Like, he should know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. And Ben Mendelsohn. Yes. Like, yeah. And then you get that movie. You're like, why? What went wrong? Yeah. We honestly put it on. We're like, this is going to be good. And then, it, and then we were like, what are we watching? So we just fast forwarded to all of his scenes. And I think the same with Joe. Was it Joe yeah. or was it yeah. Dirt? Jo- no, it was Joe. 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 It was just like the movie Dirt. Which is why Are you thinking of Joe Dirt? Uh, I'm thinking of Joe Dirt. God, honestly, <laughs> they, they should reboot Joe Dirt with Cage in, in the with David Cage. Spade role. 100% <laughs> would watch. Why not? No, uh, I, I really liked Joe. I thought Joe was really good. Oh, we couldn't get into that one, but that was uh, just us. But then I think The Trust might have been one of the last ones we watched. And we also were like, started it and we're like, oh no, we're going to actually watch this one all the way through. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> It hooked us, and it, I think it was at the end of our Cage-a-thon, so it was a whole day of nothing but Nick Cage. Yeah, that's a nice little sweet treat at the end. Oh, which I'll also have to share with you. We made a, a fake green screen Nick Cage hair, which is just him wearing this <laughs> green like uh, clown hair, and then you can green screen in whatever hair you want him to have. That's amazing. Lovely. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of his hair in this movie? Um, It was... Okay, it wasn't like top ten hairs, but it was definitely no, the, weird. I, like there were some scenes, like it looked the the piece looked very inconsistent. Yeah, I don't know if it was a piece or just like a really like kind of cheap dye job, but uh, I kind of liked it. I kind of thought it was working. It it, it, it was working too. I think it's a dye job, honestly. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's a piece this time. And it, it definitely worked for the character. You know what I mean? Like I like yeah. it, was, it was very. Yeah, it was a physicality that was appreciated for like the the verisimilitude of of the character. I think. Um, I agree. Yeah. Well, all right. You want to? You want to? Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Ashley. Is that was? Do you have oh, more I don't remember cage was, yeah, no. that you want to get into? Well, I don't. I don't know if we want to talk about it now. But I, when we had initially talked to you about getting on the the podcast, uh, you were talking about maybe doing uh, an episode on dark, which. We had kind of already covered, but I I do want to hear your thoughts on Dark in uh, which is Paul Schrader's. I, well, I don't know. <laughs> you, you know, it's it's the dying of the light, but uh, Paul Schrader's remix that remix. Yeah, re- yeah. Um, that he he did uh, with an editor holding an iPhone up to like a TV monitor and and sort of just playing around. <laughs> Yeah, I listened to your Dying for the Light episode just yesterday to refresh my memory on what you talked about uh-huh. relating to Dark. Uh, I mean, I, I saw it I saw it in theaters for a special secret screening Oh, um, at a festival that it played at. Uh, yeah. I don't think well, I... Am I allowed... I don't know if I'm allowed to say what festival it was at. You, I don't know either. I mean, that, that's it your call if you want to but that that was from the before times that's the old world what are they going to do now give you coronavirus yeah not hire me back i don't work at that festival anymore (laughs) anyway 
<laughs> I'll just say it's a very long festival and that's why I don't work at it anymore. Because <laughs> I have another job now that requires me to work 40 hours a week and I can't take off for months at a time. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, it, I don't, I don't know what to say about that movie, to be honest. That's fair. Um, I mean, there, I, 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 even calling it a movie is a little bit generous. Yeah, it was definitely an experiment. I do, I feel like it was just a remix. Like, you know, when someone like takes a song and they're just like, let's try to make this better. And they just like cut it up and remix it and switch it all around. And then it comes out and you're like, what? Sort of was like that for the eyes. But, and I will, will get to it probably in this. I feel like there were some scenes in this movie, which definitely I were reminiscent of Dark, where I was like, oh, this is what he wanted to do with Dark. Yeah. I definitely noticed that. Yeah. Like, based on the very, very few scenes that Dave and I could track down online of Dark, it looked like all the crazy, like, editing and camera, like, Mm -hmm. angles and, like, the, the weird... Uh, like filter, like the, the the weird color filters that he put over everything in Doggy Dog. Definitely, that was like something that he had first experimented with in Dark. That like he couldn't get to work, or they cut yeah, it out. I mean, the, for whatever the, reason, the scene, the scene with uh, Willem Dafoe in the mirror. I mean, that's, like, uh, my behind you right in your here. virtual yeah. background right now. I mean, that's yeah, that's dark all over. Oh yeah, and then also the scene, the first hotel room scene, not the. Yeah. Beautiful one with the mustard and ketchup, but the other one where they're just crazy colors going in and out yeah. over them. And it's so yeah. weird I was like, because this like it's dark. Yeah, and like I've been on drugs with friends in hotel rooms before, but I feel like it's never resulted in an experience like that. I'm like, where I'm like, <laughs> where did Schrader like I I'm just like there's so much about this movie where I'm just like, what was the inspiration for this? Like why like, why did he decide to do that with this particular subject matter in this particular movie? Mm. Because I don't think it was, like, in general, like, all bad. Like, I think some of the weird experimental things he tried to do were, like, worthy. But I just don't know if they were used in the right, um, like, atmosphere for this film. You know, like, I almost wish he had, like, just done another movie and just gone full, you know, where every scene is edited like the hotel room scene, you know? I... I think it's I, I think it's really funny that at this point we we're not even checking in about like what did you think of the movie? It's just assumed that it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, and the weird thing is, I don't think this movie is all that bad. Like there were parts no. of it where I was no. actually kind of into it, and honestly, like top five Willem Dafoe performances, I think for me. Oh, like Willem oh Dafoe, he could go toe to toe with Nick Cage, and I was like, this is insane right now. I know, and it's funny because this is the first time I think like a, a the the first time the Cage has like. I mean, it's arguable who's more, I, I guess Cage is more of the main character than Defoe, but they have like, you know, I, I think they are like co-protagonists in the movie. Arguably, it's like, this is the first time where uh, a supporting actor has like not only upstaged Cage, but also like just done a better job overall, like in the film. Like, I, every, yeah. like every time they were on screen yeah. together, I was like just only paying attention to Willem Defoe. Yeah, which not spoiler alert for, you know, future episodes, but uh, Selma Blair in mom and dad kind of does the same thing to him. I still haven't seen Me it. Me either, I'm but I'm really it. looking forward to it. Um, let's, let's do a little backstory on this, um, which uh, I, I guess let's set up what this film is. Um, it's called Dog Eat Dog. It is uh, directed by Paul Schrader. This is their third. second... Col- third. Because they did Dying, they dying, did dying of the, of the light. light, and then Schrader wrote... Uh, 
bringing uh, out the dead. Yeah, thank oh, you. bringing out the, the dead. dead. Right. And uh, and Cage and Willem Dafoe were in uh, Wild at Heart together. Oh, yeah. Bobby Peru. Which also a weird fun fact, but my very first day I moved to L.A., the movie playing at the New Beverly when I went to train was Bringing Out the Dead. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. That's cool. I would like to get that movie a rewatch. I think it's a lot to handle the first time you see it. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't succeed in the way I, I, I want it to, but it does in ways that other movies don't. I think that's sort of my takeaway of that movie. Um, but anyway, all right, Dog Eat Dog. Um, this is... It, my understanding, after reading uh, an interview with Paul Schrader about this uh, movie, that uh, was a pretty good interview, um, which uh, is is my virtual background, uh, which is just Paul Schrader basically sh- shitting on it, basically being like, I've made important films, and this is not one of them. Um, this was sort of his... Uh, he, he he made uh, you know Dying of the Light and Final Cut was taken away from him and he disowned it and Cage disowned it and Schrader remixed it as we just talked about and so this was sort of his like he 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 had something to prove and uh, he wanted to make a movie he said he wanted to make a movie with Nicolas Cage that people would see and I I think so I I think this was partly like him saying him wanting to do all the stylistic shit that he wasn't allowed to do and and go as bananas with uh the aesthetics as uh he he felt compelled to and then also i think there's a little bit of a uh he's he's like what will the audiences watch oh they'll they'll watch this like macho crime bullshit and so i can do that um, and, uh, so uh, we get a story by, um, what's the, what's the writer's name? Edward Bunker. Um, so, and, uh, Edward Bunker is, was a sort of a crime writer, pulp, pulp writer, sort of like Elmore Leonard, um, from the, who, uh, was also like a felon and, uh, you know, had, and, and an actor, and uh, he famously is Mr. Blue in uh, Reservoir Dogs, uh, or the old funny-looking guy with the mustache. And uh, yeah, I which makes a lot of sense to me because I was like, while watching this, I was like, what? Why does this feel like sort of like bad Tarantino? And then I was like, oh, this is what Tarantino was like riffing on. Essentially, I th- I think his. He, his writing, his books, from just from watching this, I'm assuming it's like the kind of stuff that Tarantino is like riffing on with his like, you know, Reservoir Dogs and and Pulp Fiction and stuff, sort of uh, just nuts and bolts like crime, crime shit, um, stories about criminals doing doing the crimes. Yeah, this this movie felt very like post uh, Tarantino post like uh scorsese like post like violent extreme violence in movies which like was always an under yeah. like like a uh an element i think of a lot of schrader stuff but like he he really like it felt in this movie like he kind of synthesized like all the all of the younger like generation that came after him and like made made that kind of cinema famous he kind of was like but oh like i was i made that like i created that like he's I can, like i could do that yeah, too right right but you want that didn't, he didn't quite get it yeah 
Mm-mm. It's like the heart wasn't there. Right. No, I it felt it felt like he had something to prove just in like a technical sense, but um there's no I yeah, I mean, I I have a a whole I have a lot to say about why this movie didn't work. And it's not it this movie is not like a fiasco at all, but I think it's just sort of it's like a straight like C, you know, it, it hits the marks that it needs to hit and uh, it doesn't, but it doesn't really rise in any capacity to uh, be memorable beyond some yeah. like sort of visual stuff. I mean, if we are diving in, we can talk about the opening scene. Let's go. Probably the most memorable part of this entire movie. Yeah, and it also yeah. is like a weird fake out because the rest of the movie like doesn't ever get that. Like if if more of the movie itself was like that opening scene, I feel like I would have been on board. Oh yeah, I was yeah. hooked. I was yeah. hooked for the first sure. like 20 minutes pretty much. Yeah. Thinking it was yeah, going to be crazy. And then Do you want to de- do you want to describe the opening scene, Ashley? Oh, yeah, I would love to. Uh, <laughs> picture William Defoe just doing a ton of heroin and cocaine and watching some talk show television or television in the background phones ringing there's a beautiful pink overtone to everything uh this man is just in the midst of doing an insane amount of drugs um when his ex-girlfriend walks in and she yells at him which side note she was a vine star which we (laughs) what heard in that one interview he found her because she was a vine star that used to just go up to people and randomly yell at them and insult them and like Schrader thought that was like oh, the that funniest rules. thing ever. He's like, I got to get her in my movie. <laughs> Which That's it so works because she just comes in and yells at Defoe. And uh, <laughs> it, it pretty much leads to her finding Japanese porn. And, and, yeah. Her. And we realize that, that this is her house that uh, he's been doing drugs in while she's been at like work or something. Yeah. Like probably picking up her daughter from school, you know, because right. she's got like a teenage daughter. Um. Yeah, pretty much they, you know, she finds some porn after they aggressively make out in front of the daughter, too. Just aggressively <laughs> make out, intermittent with him going into the bathroom, doing more drugs in this blue overlaid scene. Uh, coming back out, making out more, and then getting to this fight where he literally just jumps on top of her and slits her throat and stabs her, like, 20 times. And she, then... Yeah, she's... Pr- she's like a foot taller than him or something. And so he jumps on her back and like piggybacks on her (laughs) and then, and Mm. then slits her throat. I would like to say that the only few things I wrote actually wrote down for notes is I was like, Ooh, cupcakes, short ribs, (laughs) sex. Sounds like a great (laughs) night. Oh, and ass eating. Cause he very, very directly is like, girl, I'm going to eat your ass. Yeah. He he (laughs) says, I'll I'll eat your short ribs and then I'll eat your booty. And I was like, this is a great, great beginning to any movie I ever want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with like a musical cover of that, like, uh, what was it, like five, six, seven, eight song or whatever in the background? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, there's like an upbeat, like fun, fun song going the whole time. Which, it's like, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he kills her and then he, he goes up and fucking sh- just shoots the teenage daughter uh, in like who's hiding under the covers he like puts a pillow over her and shoots her and then it's just like you know titles and you're like oh shit okay i was hooked i, I was mean hooked. it's just like i i don't know another movie where they just go with the first 10 minutes they just they 
like set it up with like child murder. I mean, it's just crazy. Right. It was just like so yeah, it, out of left field. I was like, okay, Willem Dafoe on drugs. And then she's like, the ex-girlfriend's yelling at him. Is like this all tracks with how I thought this movie would be. And then it's, and then, and then he jumps on her. And then uh, that through like the end of that whole intro, I was just like, I feel like my mouth was open the whole time. Cause I was just like, what is this yeah. movie about to turn yeah. into? And then but it's it also, didn't. yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And it had like that great musical score to it. It's like yeah. the yeah. first 10 minutes to me are like the best 10 minutes of that entire film. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. You're like, who, who, who is Willem Dafoe? What am I supposed to think about this? You know, like what, what is the payoff from this going to be? And it's funny because there's, there is no like he's never no. he never it's never brought up again that he committed like a double homicide um yeah and yeah, then there's a it, black yeah. and white scene in a strip club and you're like what now that now what was also on? really really <laughs> beautifully shot but yeah so suddenly it's it's nick cage in voiceover uh talking about you know <laughs> so <laughs> me and the boys that there was me there was mad dog and there was diesel and you're like okay and uh yeah i mean that this is another one of those movies that I feel like we can sum up the plot pretty fast, which is that like they're criminals. He he just Nick Cage just got out of jail. Um, these are his. I don't know if they're his best friends. I don't know if they really ha- are friend. If any of them actually have friends, because they all seem sort of like sociopaths. But uh, they're they trust each other, and uh, and uh, they they do a job. Um, which we can talk about where they, they impersonate police officers. And I was like, okay, so this is like a, it's kind of doing this. And then we're about like halfway through the movie and he's like, okay, now we need, there's like a bigger job that we can do. It's like one last job. And, uh, which, you know, we all know how that goes, which is, it is kid kidnapping a kid, which is funny because, uh, Nick Cage famously did that in, uh, raising Arizona as well, <laughs> in a much more charming way. And uh, Raising Arizona but too. the job get yeah the job gets Electric bungled and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and everybody dies and, yeah uh, the much. end but not the way you think everyone would die no they they each die in in fun colorful ways yeah and that is the one thing I think the movie has going for it in like the second or like the last third of it really is just that like they're like everything that you expect to happen happens but none of it happens in the way you think it's gonna happen. And so in that exactly. way, I was like, that's that's kind of cool that he's was still found a way to subvert, like, you know, yeah, what you thought you I, saw I like, coming. I like that they lampshaded the one last job thing, too, with like them being like, OK, the, the, the diesel or what uh, is like, oh, yeah, but you always, you know, you that thing about like the guys who do the job and then they all just retire to Hawaii. Like you never actually hear about that happening. And Willem Dafoe's like, well, yeah, be, that's because they go to Hawaii. <laughs> and so you wouldn't hear about yeah. them happening. Cause, cause they get away and you never hear from them. Cause they again. get away. So it has to work sometimes. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> and what was it? They're like, we're in this a hundred percent or we're going out together. And I was like, that's exactly how I feel at this point in the movie. Yeah. Like I'm either here for the rest of this with you guys or I'm, we're all bowing out at this point. Yeah. And then samurai. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was like my favorite one liner. He's like, we're like, he's like, uh, or or else we all have to go out together samurai style. And then Willem Dafoe just goes like Jackie Chan, which is like Jackie yeah, Chan. Yeah. <laughs> He's like not a samurai, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even the right country. No. Um. 
okay, so that's that's the overview. Um, I think let's. I don't know where to start uh, after that. Like, uh, it's uh, I've got a lot of notes about a lot of different shit. What do you guys want to talk about? I have uh, so many notes. It's insane. Yeah, let me look. I mean, if we're uh, talking I'm just gonna. Let, I'm, let's just uh, I'll, I'll, let's just go down them. Um, I really like Willem Dafoe's uh, eyeball tattoo under his chin. Yes, that was a good look. That was great. It's a, a great look. I I wondered how much Nick Cage kind of helped pick the music and the influences in this. I think the two points I, I noticed the most were um, the Elvis song when you first come into the strip club because mm, we mm-hmm. all know he's a big old Elvis fan, and then all the Humphrey Bogart, Cary Grant talk. Well, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm beginning to, I, to get, get a little bit of an ego and pride myself in really being able to pick out and, and guess, like, what what is Cage? And I, at the very end, when he's just doing a straight Humphrey Bogart impression, I was like, I know that's him. It was. I know he saw oh, in yeah. the script, in the script that uh, his his character liked Humphrey Bogart or he just put that in himself. I don't know. And, uh, cause he has that line about how there's like a film producer when he was in jail who said that he looked like Humphrey Bogart, but kind of stretched out, yeah. <laughs> which I was like, yeah, I guess he does kind of actually. Yeah. Well, there's, there's <laughs> and, a, in, in the interview that I sent you, um, mm-hmm. which by the way, like anybody listening, if you want to like, uh, there's a really good, like 25 minute interview, uh, with, Willem Dafoe and Paul Schrader about this movie on YouTube. Uh, it's very informative, uh, not just for this film, but also for just both of them and their processes in general. But um, in that interview, Paul Schrader says that it was in this, like the Humphrey, he wrote the Humphrey Bogart line in the script, but then mm-hmm. when it came to the last scene and they were like doing the, the, the reading of it the morning that they were shooting it, that was the first time Cage had ever d- done the voice. And Schrader was like, what, what are you doing? Like, don't do that. And then Cage was just literally like, no, no, I have to do it. Like, this is the way that I'm doing it. (laughs) And so he just, like, let him do it. I mean, I don't know. Like, again, when Cage has these, like, flights of fancy, it's like, dude, you can't really say no to him. So you kind of just have to let him, like, trust. Like, you just have to, you have to, like, trust the process of having Cage in your movie. Um, (laughs) I think the best part of that, too, is Schrader was like, well, if all else fails, I can just cut it because I get cutting rights in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, right. He's like, well, in this one, I actually had final cut. So if I didn't like the Humphrey Bogart, I could just edit it out. And I was like, all right, I guess that's kind of like a that's a that's like an interesting way of thinking about it. I guess it's like (laughs) I can just get rid of it if I don't like it. Yeah, but he kept it in, and the whole that whole scene, like, I, it's not it's not Nicolas Cage's best acting. Like, the acting is pretty suspect, but it's really fun to watch yeah, really him fun. just do a full Humphrey Bogart impression. Because it goes on for like ten minutes. Too. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the whole ending makes zero sense, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I literally thought the movie was over, and then there was the last right ten minutes, and well, I was he, like, oh. Well, <laughs> Well, he gets dragged behind a cop car. And so I, I think there's like, the, I think there there's a question of whether the whole ending, which, you know, he, he's, he gets, the last we see of him, he's dragged behind a cop car. And then there's this sort of like dreamlike uh, uh, dolly zoom into this <clears throat> diner that seems to just be sort of floating in this haze. And this elderly couple is like leaving and he like carjacks them and he's all fucked up. But, you know, it's just a long scene of him 
carjacking them and taking their car and talking like Humphrey Bogart. And then it's <laughs> pulled over by the, the cops and uh, he gets the cops just light him up and the car with the, the elderly <laughs> couple in it. And, <laughs> and so it's like, is, is that, is that heaven? Is that his dying like hallucination? I mean, I guess none of that's really important because it doesn't make sense and it doesn't add anything really. It doesn't add anything of substance to the movie either way. Yeah. But, well, and, uh, and I think it was also fun. an interesting choice to have, to have the spiritual music playing too, like while that happened, mm. you know, cause he could have just driven the car and then he get, and then they pull him over and he dies. But there was like specifically a part where he's like, do you have any music in this car? And they were like only spirituals. Like, oh, so right, puts that right. yeah. And the, the, the man was a reverend, so right. it was kind of right. like, you know, his last rites right then. He was kind of confessing his sins a little bit. Right. <clears throat> kind of like going with it. Dave, it's so weird when like the when uh the zoom doesn't like recognize your body and it like blinks out <laughs> for a split second and then Paul Schrader's face just like comes through your chest. It's like really, really unnerving. <laughs> I, yeah, see if I can put scary. Schrader's face on my face. Yeah, you did, and it's yeah. terrifying. I'm gonna have yeah, nightmares this, tonight. Please don't do that. I, I, like Schrader <laughs> already is a weird looking dude. I don't need him like bursting out of your <laughs> out of your face. Which, by the way, if you don't know what Schrader looks like, you can see him in the movie. Yeah, because well, he's yeah. and apparently his he, acting debut as the Greek. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. But but the reason he's in the movie apparently is because he went through like a bunch of actors for that role, and they all turned it like, or, or they all for whatever reason turned it down. Or they couldn't do whatever whatever so eventually rather than trying to like cast the like ninth actor he was just like fuck it i'll just do it myself which uh fine i don't think he was i don't think he's a great actor and also his voice i'm sorry but it's hard for me to get past his voice it sounds like he oh. gargles rocks and broken glass like not i like- i i love it's he's so he's ball Schrader is like a Muppet to me. Like he, he's so everything about him is kind of round and he, he has that really raspy voice, but he ha- also has a lisp, which is just really fun mm. to listen to. And, uh, and he's really opinionated about shit. He, yeah, I don't know. I feel like he would fit in on the Muppet show. He's literally the old man that yells at clouds like that. He is that guy. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Um, but no, yeah, his, his acting debut, which is funny cause he is just playing himself. He's just like, he's like, I got a job for you. <laughs> just it's an acting job. I mean, it's a, it's a heist <laughs> job. Excuse me. Sorry. I forgot where I was for a second. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Okay. What, what else? What else? Yeah. The soundtrack is good. Um, the, oh, I, I really liked the, uh, so yeah, the first job that they do is they're like, I, I was a little confused. I guess they, the, he, Paul Schrader plays the El Greco, who is, I don't know the term for it, but he's just a guy who knows shit and s- can send people on jobs. I don't, he's almost, it's almost like Nick Cage's like manager <laughs> as a criminal. It's <laughs> like agent. He just goes and, <laughs> and, and sees him. He's like, I got a, I got a job for you. Yeah. And, he's, like, um, he's like negotiating rates for him and stuff. It's really weird. Right. It's like, it was, like, it was like a very like manager vibe, but for like child for like kidnapping a baby. It was like, really, I was like, this is a right. This dialogue is not matching up with what they're actually talking about. Not at all. <laughs> Yeah, for all for all I know, that's how it works. I mean, that's smart if you have a guy that you trust who's like a go-between, I guess. Uh, but it also like it definitely contributed to the sort of like workman-like feel of the whole story. That the two the two big jobs that they're doing, there's no sort of emotional stake 
in it for anyone involved really like they're just like we need some money okay we'll go do the thing you know and uh so i was definitely i like feel like i checked out a little bit and then i was like wait they're impersonating police officers now to uh to bust like a trap house and get some money which by and the way like that police car would never pass no that never was passed. so funny but also it's like, like literally like, like someone took gaff tape and just wrote police on the side with it. <laughs> yeah, it might as well have been written on the side with crayon. <laughs> yeah, well, but I, I think, like, I, that was... I, I like that that was done on purpose because, I mean, not that this movie has any semblance of, like, you know, any kind of, like, saying anything about, like, society or, like, anything, anything like that. But yeah. I but yeah. I did kind of like that aspect that, like, a bunch of, like, white guys that aren't cops can just show up in a fake cop car and, like, take a black man in and no one stops them. You know what I mean? It's right. just like, they can mm -hmm. just like disappear a black dude with impunity and like get away with it. Yeah. It, um, if this movie were smarter or better, it would have actually said something about yeah, that. Yeah. Well, and also um, there was all sorts of other like weird casual racism <laughs> happening that like kind of undercut that. It's like, uh -huh. it was, you know, it was not that casual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Fair enough. But yeah. like, <laughs> I, mean, it's, I started talking about, or thinking a lot about um, this sort of specific kind of male fantasy um, that like this, th the world that this movie is in, which is very much just like, it's like a, it's the kind of male fantasy that if you're reading a well plotted like pulp novel, if you're like reading it, you can kind of get taken along or somebody like Tarantino, like y if you're being really generous, you say like, Oh, he's playing with the tropes and not, he's maybe subverting or doing something with them. But I think in reality, a lot of what he's doing is sort of just reveling in it, but he's mm -hmm. Tarantino and, and uh, some other filmmakers know how to plot this kind of thing. And so even if it's not deep, then they can at least sort of pull it along and, and make it fun or and then someone like Scorsese knows how to take sort of the nuts and bolts of of a crime movie or a male sort of male power crime fantasy and have and have a lot of stuff that is deep below the surface that is being touched on or that you know the whatever the the heists and the power games and everything are all emblematic of some larger ideas like you know empire or capitalism or whatever you want to say but um this it, i feel like paul schrader is either or, or i don't even know if it's him but the, the this movie was not interested or seemingly able to do more to reference anything beyond the literal things that are just happening. Like it just seems like it's just stuff that's happening. And, and it's not even, none of the characters have any real like emotional root. Like there's no, the, the, even the friendships between the, the three main characters it seem pretty perfunctory. So there, there's nothing to really like grab onto uh, it, 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 in, it, 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 as, I don't know. It's just, it just is what it is. And it sort of goes through you like a soup and then it's gone. <laughs> and like, um, and I was just thinking a lot about this. It's like the, this kind of male fantasy that's made by like s smart men who are probably film nerds who are, you know, maybe like, uh, or they're like, they like writers like Bukowski or Elmore Leonard and uh, they have enough intelligence to like write a scene that accurately observes the complexity of 
humanity and people around them who aren't them, but doesn't, but it doesn't have the intelligence, the emotional intelligence or emp empathy or sort of maybe just ability to get out of your own like purview to uh, to really say anything about it. So it's just like it's it just it's one of those movies where it's just sort of like a bunch of meatheads running around and running up against the complexity of other people. But all they can really do is kind of like either react with like violence or uh, dismissal. And uh, th that, again, it, it's there, there's nothing necessarily wrong with having those that be who your story is centering around. But the movie itself needs to be smarter and have something to say beyond out outside of their POV. And and I don't think this movie does. But it's like that's pretty standard. I was, uh, did you guys see Dragged Across Concrete? Mm -mm. No. You know what I'm? <clears throat> no, it's, no. It's a it's. A movie with Mel Gibson and uh, Vince Vaughn that came out last year that is made by uh, a filmmaker. I forget his name, but he sort of has like a lot of sort of reactionary sort of conservative tendencies and some really like questionable shit. There's a like questionable like race stuff and, and stuff in, in it. And yet he's also like a stylist and can kind of plot and write like an interesting movie. So I, I watched it because I liked he did bone tomahawk and uh and uh brawl and cell cell block, block 99 90, which is a dope that's movie. the one I was, I was about to ask you if it's the same guy that did that because i've seen yeah. that one before that movie's great <clears throat> and yeah that movie's insane yeah and so i i wanted to watch that and but it's sort of the same thing that it's sort of like i feel like touches on it it seems it's it observes the complexity of the world but seems incapable of saying anything about it outside of its own pov and then and all those guys who the, this specific kind of like white male writer always seemed to have the casual racism as a part of it too which you know and there's because there's so much of that in this which is you know just like like the diesel character just being like yeah i don't like music because in prison i only listen to rap everybody just played rap and it ruined music for me it's just like okay <laughs> like yeah and just people throwing out whatever slurs they you know just unnecessarily and uh yeah, and a lot of that comes comes out in that first heist that they do on Moon Man, the uh, who's played by Omar Dorsey from Django Unchained and some other shit, Selma, and uh, where they they you know go in and uh, take his money from his trap house, but it's sort of like you know it, you're like okay, so is this commenting on like what's the movie's point of view and. Or even like, okay, if it's being cagey about its point of view, then what is it doing to challenge you or you know raise anything that is like, you know, is it is it raising some question or issue or anything? And it's really not. It's just sort of like a fantasy of like, what if we did crimes? <laughs> you know, it just feels like guys who are like, what if we did the crimes? Well, I think it's actually interesting because I think that what they were trying, like I think that there was a few moments where they tried to give it more depth and that's actually right after the first heist. And it's when they're at that like casino hotel room and you get to see pretty much all three of the men interact with a woman. Yeah, yeah. that's when I started to write this whole thing where I started to really think about it. Yeah, because I was Yo. like, they're trying. They're trying here to show mm -hmm. like that these men have been in prison and that it's been really hard for them and that maybe they didn't get assimilated back in and that like our prison system's broken and things are wrong with it. 
But then on top of that, they also have these horrible interactions with women. And I also, I wrote a note like, does Schrader know how to write women? No. Or this yeah. Because no. the women were all written so yeah, offensively just in this movie. Like, yeah. Flat, just, yeah, and, and, not, and this is something, not real. Yeah, and this is something that he has a serious problem with, I think, in all of his movies, or at least all the ones Agreed. I've seen. Yeah. It's just there's no good women characters. There's, like, in First Reformed, I feel like maybe... No. But like she's shutting that down. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But like, but but ag- I, don't, I don't even remember. But again, I was gonna say she even in that movie, like she's just a, a way for Ethan Hawke to get to his sort of like right. you know, epiphany, like wherever he goes. She's just she's just a, a tool for him to like realize that. So yeah, no, yeah, but and like blue collar, like American Gigolo, mm-hmm. like uh, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull. Uh, cat people, like cat you people. Can, oh my the, god! Well, we'll, <laughs> oh, we'll, yeah. we'll do like a Schrader recap at the end. But I have a huge soft spot for cat. Yeah, people. but but the <laughs> female characters in those movies are not no people. No, no, and they're, yeah, they're not. They're devices. And in this one, it was it was just as bad, if not worse. I mean, the woman that Diesel takes back to her hotel room yep. is probably the closest thing. But I was sitting there and I was like, is this one supposed to be a prostitute or not? Because you're writing her like she is. A prostitute, which is bad to say, but like well, you're giving yeah. her nothing except well, also, for like this woman who just hits on you at a bar at a at a casino, which is like a very well, typical prostitute scene. Yeah, I mean the way he picks her up, it feels like that. But I I could kind of tell. I could. I, I felt like I could tell that they it, she was not supposed to be a prostitute, but it was awkward and weird because i was just like why would this woman go for this guy there's nothing charming about this guy there's nothing char- like the first thing he says to her he like sits down at the bar and he's like i fucking hate this bartender i want to punch him in the face or something it's just like and she's like oh ha, ha, that's funny like tell me more it's just like, yeah what when they end up in the hotel room together i'm like listen i've been there girl but also like you're a lot older than me, so you should probably have learned by now that you don't go to hotel rooms with scary dudes you meet at bars. Yeah, you, yeah. Don't, you don't need to do that. Yeah. The piece with uh with Willem Dafoe and and the other woman, like masseuse, yeah, and like the yeah, the woman the, who's the, like, like happy giving ending him a masseuse. Hand job. She's got like the giant, yeah. she's got like the giant <laughs> glove on, and she's like, "Why is this taking so long?" And he's like, <laughs> he gets like so mad at her for asking. He's like, "I can do it if I wanted to. I can do it. Like, <laughs> I can come if I want to." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, and then uh, I, I Cage's whole thing with the the woman where he's talking, he's like, "Do you want to go to Nice with me?" And he starts telling her about like black tourmaline, yeah, <laughs> and the properties that it has, and, yeah. <laughs> And meanwhile, she's like, "If you want me to go, if you want me to go down on you, is an extra three hundred fifty dollars?" And he's just like, "But, but, but, you want to go to France with me? Have you ever been to France?" Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I did like that. He was like talking to her, and she just like deep throats his fingers. She's <laughs> like, like, she's like, "This is what I th- like. This is what I could do. Can we just like?" <laughs> she's like, "That's <clears throat> nice uh, that you like films and Humphrey Bogart, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, but again, like I think." if not overtly misogynistic, it's just like the, these women are, are not people. I mean, also all the women who they're interacting with are mostly sex workers and like, and people who, I don't know, they're committing acts of violence against. So yeah, I don't know. It's that kind of movie. Yeah. No, the, I mean, the women were absolutely nothing in this movie, which was, and 
but yeah, that's that's when I started to just like really think of, because they, it seems to attempt something with the scene with Diesel and and that uh, Louisa Krauss is the actress's name. She, I actually, I really liked her talking about Elliot Smith, like talking at him. Where I, I really just like identified with her. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, she's like, I, yeah, he, he's the only acoustic guy who broke through the Seattle scene. <laughs> I actually wrote down he, in my he's notes. He's like, I don't like music. I actually wrote down in my notes: Is Schrader an Elliot Smith truther? <laughs> because, yeah, right. yeah, because he was. But like, also, <laughs> they did bring up Taylor Swift earlier too. Like, yeah. there was a great conversation between yeah. Defoe and Cage about Taylor Swift. Where I was like, I feel like this is Schrader being like, you know what? I'm going to respect these bands yeah. that I actually really like right now in my yeah. movie. Yeah. Totally, and and also one of the greatest visual mm-hmm. gags in the movie is after um, after Cage like sends Diesel into the grocery store, and then he's like sitting alone in the car, and he and he pulls out like the like the people magazine or like like some kind of like entertainment magazine and like Taylor Swift's on the cover of it. And then he's just sitting there reading it and like, and you can see like his facial expression, like as he reads the next line, he'll like change his facial expression a little bit. And it's like really funny. (laughs) We have not said my favorite line in this entire movie yet. I don't know if we want to go to it. (laughs) Yeah. I'd like to hear what it is. Um, So it kind of progresses nicely to the next the next heist, which uh-huh. as we know, they have to kidnap a one-year-old. There are two great lines. There's one where Nick Cage is literally like debating at what age kidnapping someone wouldn't be okay for him. Yeah. Right. Which is a great first, like this isn't my favorite quote, but it is a great scene where he's like, I guess you're right. A one-year-old won't remember. So like, that's fine. And I'm like, at what age is too old for you to feel like kidnapping is okay? Yeah. Right. Well, cause the guy who's giving them the, him the job, he's like, Hey, look, if it was four years old, I wouldn't do it. That's not okay, but he's just, you know, you're just going to take him, you're going to hand him off to somebody, it'll be fine. Yeah, like, there's just a string of great quotes, and then Nick Cage is, like, telling him all about it, and he's like, don't worry, nobody's going to be home, except for the girlfriend, the nanny, and the baby. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, okay, that's great, too. But then it leads up to them, they get to this room, obviously none of these men have ever interacted with a child in their life, so kidnapping a one-year-old, like, that baby's going to die, pretty much. And there's a line... Where Nick Cage literally goes, oh, what's that thing you put in the baby's yeah. mouth? And you just hear Defoe go, a dick? Yeah, yeah I loved that too. <laughs> I, I, I wrote that down and then I liked the line after that where the baby's crying and Cage just sort of like manhandles it and, and he, goes, he goes, take the baby downstairs. He annoys me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that whole, the whole kidnapping of a baby is... I mean, it does not pan out, but the lines around that are some of my it's, favorite of the entire film. Yeah, it's very different from the raising Arizona baby napping scene, um, especially because the the guy. It turns out to be the the guy who they were supposed to trying to extort money from in the first place, which was pretty funny actually. But he shows up with a gun um, at while they're doing that, and Defoe just opens his head up with a shotgun, which we see shot like from the back through through the head as it opens up and uh that that was fun i mean he I, takes it clean that. off right like the like his head just like it like explodes. splits it yeah. splits in half yeah that was intense um, i mean like there was violence in the movie before but there's something about that specific like the way that that was handled that was like I mean, it was like I. It was I. It wasn't even the gore that got me. I think it was just like the. It was the surprise and like how quickly it happened. Like there was no buildup. You know, they were like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. And then he just like pulls the trigger, 
I don't know. It was like that. That that was well, that was like the, yeah, that was like one of those things where it like it it changes the trajectory like of the movie in a split second in a way that I was just not prepared. Yeah. Well, it's it's not to harp on this, but it, it's just sort of another one of those things where like I you're like okay, so what what is the tone? What is what are you going for? Like tonally, like is because uh, this is grotesque, like uh, seeing somebody's head just get split open, but. This we're not in like the like fun horror. This isn't dead alive, you know. We're not we're not reveling in the gore, but it's also not you know a super serious crime movie either. Like we're not. It doesn't linger on the you know the ramifications of just taking a life. Like when anybody dies, it seems to sort of just like skate over it, and you're like, so are are you going for a laugh? Are you go, like what are you going for? And you know I don't need movies to spell that out, but I I just. I just wonder if Schrader even knows what he is going for, or if it's just pure like style and just or like what you know what I mean? Like no, I don't. I don't think he does know. I enjoyed the opening scene, but it's still also like okay. So we just saw like a double homicide, including a child. Like what? How is that supposed to land? How is that supposed to sit? Yeah, I also thought. I mean, as soon as he shoots that guy's head off, in my mind, I was like okay, this is about to get, like, turbocharged. Like, right. everything's about to get ramped up to 100, and the last 20 minutes of this movie are just going to be insane. But instead, that happens, and it goes back down to, like, a 10 right afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, if anything, it slows down. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it, like, it becomes more of a buddy comedy than it even was before, somehow. It was like... Well, and, and I mean, yeah, Cage finds out that, that they accidentally killed the guy who they were supposed to be extorting, but he finds it out in a phone call from Schrader's character. He's just like, yeah, you messed up. And he's like, okay, well, he's a man of business. Maybe he'll understand. Schrader's like, yeah, I don't know. I hope so. Maybe not. But you're going to meet him and find out. You know, it's just sort which, of like... Which, again, okay. is like Schrader playing manager. You know what I mean? Where he's like, <laughs> well, he's right. like, well, I don't know. I got to talk to him first. We'll see how he takes it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's such like right. a... <laughs> Like anyone else in that situation would just be like freaking out and Trader's just like, I don't know, he's a man of business. Maybe he'll understand. I got to talk to him about it. <laughs> and that conversation never even gets to happen well, in this movie. I know. So, yeah, so I, after, at, this is kind of around the point that I started to, I feel like I tuned out a little bit because I, I missed, can you under, can you explain to me why Diesel kills Willem Dafoe, Mad Dog? Can, what, what what was that scene? I think he's just mad at him. I think he's just like I think he's annoying the shit out of him, and he's and he's holding just a loaded gun. And so I mean, you know, it's okay. like that. I mean, I if there's any deeper purpose, it was not made clear. So I I don't know, but that's what I got from it. Okay, so I, I didn't miss anything. No, I no you missed so. nothing. Okay, because that happens after the scene. It's like uh, Willem Dafoe is like. I feel like you don't like me. Like we're not friends, and I want to be your friend. And and, and then like, dude, and they're you like, are really annoying though. Like you're ex an extremely annoying person, <laughs> right? And they're like hauling a, they're like disposing of a body, and he's like, he's like, do you think people can change? He's like getting trying to go deep with him, and Diesel's <laughs> yeah. just like, nah. He's like, and, yeah. After uh, this is all done, can we have a sit down, just like you and me, one on yeah. one? Like, let's hash it out, bro. <laughs> right, right. I feel like there's some tension. <laughs> um, yeah, and but it's like I sort of my eyes were glazing over a little bit because, like you said, Ashley, it kind of goes back down to a ten, and then, and then it's just it, so then Diesel or Mad Dog dies, and I was like, okay, and then 
Diesel gets it, you know, he, he and Cage are at a shopping, uh, like a grocery store for some reason. And uh, there's a, sh- a shootout and a car chase with the cops where Diesel dies. And again, and I didn't really f- care or feel anything about that. And then Cage gets beat up by some police and pulled behind their car. And Actually, I forgot uh, Diesel died, but... Yeah, he, he did. He and and it's like and he's like like samurai, samurai. He did. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, wait, can you can you explain to me though? Because I I I mean I think it was just a part of the movie, just not explaining it. But when Nick Cage goes to grab his jacket when the cop is confronting yeah. him, I assumed it was to like get a gun, put the gun in his pocket and like kind of hide Same. it. Same. And let them check the car, but then instead he just like what head he punch over. he, he punches, punches he punches woman. the the police woman in which not to nitpick but he he punches her and then she goes down in the direction of his fist which is it yes, wouldn't have been yes. as bad if it wasn't in slow motion but <laughs> looks really yeah, dumb yeah but um it's fine because Schrader Schrader noticed it but he's like oh I I can just edit around it it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just like no, I no I had that I same didn't thing. Know what choice right. was would like make you do that? Like you were fine. Like you no for sure. Yeah, he's he's like he's like oh sure thing. You want to check my car? Let me just get my jacket. Oh, it's so breezy out here, and you see, and it's all like yeah, and then he just punches her. It's it's insane. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, I wasn't sure if anyone could you know piece it together no. for me, but no, okay. no, okay. I mean, I feel like in general, like the script and the actors ran out of steam by the end of the movie. Like, like I, I, like it almost seems like it's like, and I mean, this is a notorious, this is notorious Schrader issue that I have with a lot of his movies too. Is like they don't end well. You know what I mean? Like, never know. He he cannot. He doesn't know how to end a movie. Save his life. Yeah, he does not. He doesn't know. Like, yeah. I mean, a lot of people like the ending of First Reformed, but I sort of felt like it was a cop-out um i mean i don't need things to be spelled out for me but i also just like it's just the kind of thing i don't think he knows how he wants i don't know if it even matters to him it's like that's not what he's focused on which fair enough but like that's it's important if you get the ending right that really does a lot I mean, for your like, movie f- yeah, but and like, I've never seen a fair enough to a certain I, extent but if, if you've been making movies for like 50 plus years like you should have figured it out by now you know it's like no <laughs> yeah but it's it's true of his best his best movies it's true of uh, Blue Collar it's true of uh, American Gigolo like they just don't know how to end like Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and great but I don't think that's him. I don't it's think ta- I, 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 yeah. I, 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 yeah. And I also don't think taxi driver ends that well either, but whatever. Really? Yeah. Whatever. It's like, at least it ties itself sure. up in like a bow, you right. know, it's, it, it feels like a, a complete story. Yeah. Well, you know, the weird um, thing about taxi driver is, uh, initially, uh, at the end of the movie, De Niro was going to do a Humphrey Bogart voice for the last scene. <laughs> oh, um, but I knew it. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he was going to do like a James Cagney or like, uh, yeah. <laughs> But then he talked to Nick Cage and Nick Cage was like, no, no, I'm saving that for something in the future. Don't, don't pull that, please. Yeah. Nick Cage was like, was like five years old, but he's like, like, that's stay in your lane. (laughs) Stay in your lane, De Niro. (laughs) Uh, I mean, okay. What, what else is there to say? I do. uh, Okay. I, so a lot of this shit like would have. This movie does get a decent amount of mileage of just watching Nick Cage and Willem Dafoe like uh, just 
play off of each other. And I mean, act. that's the whole movie, right? Like the, this movie would be nothing if right. there were two other actors. I, I really in, the, in those roles. Agreed. I really wish they'd uh, cast somebody else as Diesel. Uh, Christopher Matthew Cook is the actor who who plays him. Who the, the only other like really recognizable credit that he has is like a character in The Walking Dead. But um, he's sort of a uh, he, he is not charismatic. He does not did did not really do much with that role. And I would have loved to see another like character actor in there who could ham it up as much as uh, Defoe is because. It could have it could have just been an acting showcase, and I would have been okay with that. I mean, you guys could disagree, but for you, tell me your dream castings. In my case, it would be Vin Diesel playing <laughs> Diesel. That is a great. That is yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, I can't top that. I mean, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to think of like muscly goon type character actors that I'd put in there. I, I don't. I mean, on, honestly, honestly, The Rock would have done a great job with that role. I also thought uh, The Rock, but I don't think The Rock can be uh, gritty enough. You know, like he's still like, people love yeah, him. But, they don't want to see but him. But he, he could have done the sensitive shit that he That's couldn't. True. Uh, yeah. John um, Cena. But you can't have a character named Diesel. Oh, yeah, John Cena. Oh, John Cena. There. Yeah, John Cena, Vin Diesel, and The Rock. Those, any of those three would have been great. <laughs> Actually, it should just be those three in the, in the three roles. That, that's, yeah, they should actually, whole... Hobbs and Shaw 2 <laughs> should just be written by Paul Schrader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it should be his third try at making, making right, this yeah. ideal movie yeah <laughs> i'd love to see schrader try to do like some sort of uh, franchise thing because he's such an ornery little prick that i feel like he 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 does not take direction well and i would have i would really love to see him try to get like fit into like the studio system in uh it, and and do a project with big money you'd have it would be a mess but like to see him Dude, in, like in, like uh, kevin kevin feige like yelling at him like no that's not how spider-man acts like <laughs> yeah yeah i i want to see the schrader like marvel movie maybe you know give him a dc movie give him the whatever the next joker is gonna be let it let him do it it would be fun I mean that they already they already like, made, oh I'm just doing Taxi Driver too yeah they already made Taxi Driver as the joke yeah no like, yeah that's I feel a good like point. like like but no but that but I'm agreeing with you I'm like they already made that movie yeah. they should have just gotten Schrader to fucking do it like that would have been Joker would have been anyway whatever and then Schrader comes in and he goes what about Nick Cage yeah, as the Joker as the Joker <laughs> <laughs> wait what which supervillain would Cage uh, I. He he almost played the Green Goblin, but uh, we all know who got that. Yeah, role. but Defoe played it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but which uh, which Marvel or DC uh, villain do you think Cage would be really good at playing? Oh, Loki. Yeah, I want to see him like I want to see him take Loki to yeah. like an extreme. You know? Yeah, that's. Don't get me wrong. I think Tom Hilson does a great job, or whatever. Is that? Is yeah, that right? K- K- but Cage is Loki, though. He he is right. He's, <laughs> also, like maybe Doctor Doom, yeah. like he would be good oh, as like a Doctor Doom. He would. But then he'd—I—I I, I don't know. I'd want to see his face. I don't know if I'd want Cage wearing like a metal mask the whole time. You know, it's that'd like, be my problem. Honestly, yeah. like he could do Lex Luthor. He could be a good Lex Luthor. He could be a good Lex Luthor, but I think that would, that'd be hard for him, seeing as he wants to be Superman. Right. Well, and it yeah, would also be hard for him because his hair does most of the acting in any given role. So take that away. He's, yeah. he's not gonna. Yeah. He, 
I'll send you the I, green screen hair for him. Please. <laughs> I don't I don't think Cage will ever go bald for a role. At least not not while he still has hair in his head. I think he's like Samson a little bit. Yeah. This is apropos of nothing, but did you guys see that the music of this film was done by a group called We Are Dark Angels? I did. <sighs> I thought that was glorious. I don't have oh anything God. to add about that. I just thought I mean, that was funny. It's just not, Especially it's because not most surprising of the, to me somehow. That makes it that... Most, <laughs> of the, most of the music was like, you know, like Elvis and stuff too. So I don't, I don't know what We Are Dark Angels was doing, but... Um, me neither. I, I do really also like the Porter Wagner song remix that they did mm. in the closing credits. Yeah, that was weird. That too. Yeah. That was um, so weird. <laughs> what, if, what if the We Are Dark Angels is just like Schrader's vanity music project? Oh, my God. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> it's just him in his basement at night. Yeah, dude, that's, he's, he's got like a wall of synths and like uh, sequencers. He's just like... He, it's, he's like a one-man band. He's just like making his own soundtracks, like John Carpenter style. <laughs> I just picture him like having it up on the walls and him just like literally spinning around in a circle, just hitting whatever he hits in like the process. And he's like, this is beautiful. This is, this is experimental. It's great. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I would have loved that. I would, I love to picture it. I'm going to dream um, about it tonight. That and the, and the homoerotic ketchup and mustard scene. I mean, yeah, just like what I, I'm, I, there's no, there's no use trying to make sense of it, but I just, I will go to my grave, like wondering why the fuck that was in this movie. It was like, for I'm me. Really, was I'm really grateful boring. that it was in there because it was. I don't know why, but it, it it. I needed it. I needed to see Nick Cage and uh, Willem Dafoe just squirting each other with ketchup, shirtless, wrestling on a bed, squirting so each other weird. with condiments. I know. Yeah. Also, I. I read that most of the um, crew of this film were like recent like film school graduates. It yeah. was like and like for a I, lot of so them, it like, was their first full credit in that department. Um, he actually in in that twenty five minute interview that he does uh, alongside Willem Dafoe, he says a really interesting thing about that. He said, "I didn't want a team that thought outside the box. I wanted a team that couldn't find the box if you asked them to." And I was that's like, awesome. I was like, that's kind of interesting. I mean, the result is like, whatever, but it's cool that like he went into it with the idea of, you know, I, I, I don't know. And, and, and here's, here's a huge problem. Like, this is why Schrader is like a problematic fave of mine is because he does a lot of these things where he's like, really tries to go like full punk rock with it, where he's like, I'm just going to try something that people like say can't be done and that is maybe a bad right. idea, but I need to like keep myself interested. So I'm going to just do it because like, fuck you for telling me I can't essentially. Um, but then right. the problem is, is like once it ends up on the screen, you're like, but if I hadn't known that that like, you know, if, if, if I hadn't known about the process that nothing I'm watching would have tipped me off to that. So like, what's the good of it in the end, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say I thought that a lot of this movie looked great, which Dying of the Light did not. Dying of the Light looked like trash and uh, didn't really have much of a stylistic point of view. But um, I really, I liked the way that this was shot and it reminded me that Schrader is uh, is like a sensual, uh, <laughs> has like, a, a <laughs> shut up. You know, he's... he's uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, keep going. Tell me more. Say it, say it slower, though. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Should I put his face over my yeah, face? Yeah, definitely. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he he can he's he loves to he loves like um, 
playing with color and uh, having these immersive compositions that are really like, and he's making really bold color choices throughout this that I really enjoyed. I, I liked it. I, even if it was just him sort of just doing it because he could, even if there was no, yeah. no like reason to do it. Yeah. It, and um, I mean, like, I even, even if you, even if you go back to, into his older movies, like definitely American Gigolo, definitely cat people mm-hmm. in like a weird way. And even yep. the canyons, even though I felt the general aesthetic of the canyons was gross. I understand he was going for like, <laughs> like, like he goes for like a sexy thing. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like sometimes his aesthetic is like very cocaine, but it's also very like, what if everyone was on coke and thin and hot and sexy? You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, yeah, like every, what if everyone did coke at Norgy? Is yeah, like yeah, his, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it, if it had all been stylized as much as it was in the beginning, I probably would have been even more sold on the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It might you not have worked, but it would have kept me hooked. Yeah, sure. Um, and I guess that's to say, like, I, if, if some of that has to do with him working with, uh, people who can't find the box, then that's cool. Um, and ultimately I just want to say, imagine being those recent film school grads and filming that scene where Cage and Willem Dafoe are rolling around on a bed, squirting each other with mustard. Like just what a surreal day that is. What if one of the art directors was just talking with the craft service person one day and was like, how funny would it be if they just like sprayed each other? And then they're like, let's go tell Paul about it. Yeah. And then they did. And Paul's like, perfect, let's do this. That's not even in the box. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. He was like, this is what we needed for the ending. He's like, I just, yeah. I just did a line and I, I don't even know what a box right. is. But like also if you're like a 24 year old or whatever, like recent film school grad and like that's your first job, like your career is over at that point. Like you're never going to top that ever again in your life. Like you oh, filmed Cage peaked. and like it Willem Dafoe like like playing with condiments shirtless. <laughs> directed by <laughs> Paul Schrader. Under, Schrader. under like Paul Schrader's like direction. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Apex of life right there. Right there. Uh, I I, I want to, uh, I, I got a couple pull quotes from this, uh, from this interview. Paul Schrader, I've made some important films. Dog Eat Dog is not one of them <laughs> from uh-huh. The Guardian. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I this this I'm just throwing this out there because this is like a, a really typical kind of Paul Schrader quote, but I where I'm like, this is really cool and I kind of agree, but also there's more to it. Like I'm are you trolling? Are you being are you yelling at the cloud? I don't know. He said he said, There's there's probably more talented people making films today than there were back then, talking about the seventies. The uh the biggest and only difference the people don't understand this was the audiences were better. The audiences were going through social uncertainty and they wanted artists to help them out. And the moment that a society turns to artists for answers, great art emerges. Yeah. But that's just like blaming the audience for your own shortcomings. Right. It's like, it's not my fault. The audience is stupid. It's like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I want to see what Paul Schrader comes out with uh, after this pandemic. If he's really thinks, you know, that he can do it. Yeah. Oh shit. It just hit me that there's going to be a lot of like pandemic referencing art for the next like five. This is like nine 11 where there for the next like 10 years, there's just going to be a lot of media that's like trying to grapple with this. That's sucks. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. going to get a fucking Oliver Stone movie about like how the Trump administration bungled the handling of the pandemic, but like not, not oh, yeah. in, not in like a good way, not, not in a way where it's like informative or like fun <clears throat> to watch. <laughs> Oh, no. I'm hoping Schrader's no, bored at his house. And he's like, I'm going to do what I did with Dark, but with all of my movies. And so he just recuts every <laughs> single movie he's ever done. It comes out and he's like, this is a pandemic art right here Dude, for all of you people so who need it and don't know. He, he, 
he just makes like a 14 hour super cut of like all of his, <laughs> like, like remixed all of his movies. <laughs> he fucking would. And then puts it up on Pirate Bay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I'd watch it. So Shit. there's that. Oh, bye, Dave. We lost Our bye, Dave. We lost Dave. Ended. Can we talk about anything else? No, I think my only last note I want to bring up is uh, I don't think Nick Cage knows how to touch boobs. Yeah, right? <laughs> that strip club scene was so good. He was just palming them. Palming them in circles. It's waxing on, waxing off with some titties. It's fucking weird, man. That was my, that was my last, you know, last hurrah of this movie. Um, yeah, I'm just going through my notes. I don't really think there's like anything else that we haven't covered already. Um, no, I think we got, we got pretty much on that. There was a cool thing that I liked, uh, and Cage does this a lot where he has like little moments at the end of a scene where the camera is like still on him or he's like alone in the frame and he like acts with himself. Like he does that a lot, but there was one, one really good moment where he's like on the phone in the parking lot and the car like almost hits him and he like slams the hood and then he's like, and then he like motions for them to like keep driving past them. I don't know. I thought that was like very, that was a, that was a cool touch. Um, no, that was good. That was good. Yeah. Like the, the cops dragging him at the end was like super intense. Nothing else about that movie uh, or about that particular scene, like really made an, it made any kind of impact on me, but that was like very viscerally intense. Just like watching him getting dragged for so long. The road rash. Yeah. I just could be like, this is some bad road rash. Yeah. But no, I, I think we've hit most of everything that is important in that mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, arguably the whole film isn't important. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> in general, we once again wasted a couple hours of our lives. Uh-huh. Oh, yep. Hi, Dave. You're back. What's up? What were we talking about? Some movie? Uh, we were just kind of like running down a couple things, but we, we both agree that we kind of hit everything we felt like we needed to hit with this movie. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, with our luck, Oliver Stone is going to make a pandemic movie um, <laughs> with uh, Nick Cage playing like a role that lasts like two minutes. And you and I are going to have to watch it and talk about him some more. <laughs> Dude, I swear that, that shit is like the bane of our existence. Are those movies where Cage has like one scene and it's like, fuck, we got to do it. But we, we got to sit through the rest of it. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean that like that was right. Snowden basically. That right? was Snowden. Yeah, I forgot that he was in Snowden. To yes, be honest, we did too I, until did we see, had to watch it. <laughs> did you uh, see Snowden, Ashley? Oh, I saw Snowden. Why? Why did I watch it? Why do I watch any of these things? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's yeah. Well, we have a lot of time in quarantine to think about why why we're doing this, dude. Well, honestly, <laughs> like when we finally die and hit the pearly gates, like uh, Saint Peter's gonna like judge us, being like, "Well, you, you human life is valuable, and you wasted too much of it <laughs> watching shitty movies." So, and we're, I'm and sending we'll you straight like, to hell. We'll be like, okay, <laughs> but what are your five favorite cage roles? <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll say the wrong one, and they'll be like, "Ooh, are you?" <laughs> Are you sure you should yeah. be up here? World He's Trade like f- Center? What? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, World Trade Center, the Left Behind series is really important yeah, to yeah. me. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, do, do we have anything else to say? Did we, did we do it all? Did we talk about it all? I think we talked about it all. Uh, I think we've done it. I think we've run, we've tied this movie to the back of a cop car and pulled it <laughs> for as long as we could. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I, did you guys know... This this is where I'm at in my notes. Did you know that Willem Dafoe was in a movie called A Family Man? Really? 
Yeah. So there's also I, a movie I that's called Just Family Man. I'm like, there's too many movies with Family Man as like the name. No, they they already made the perfect one. Just let I it know. go. Um, yeah. You know, I something that I bring up a lot that we talk about a lot is like if we were doing this podcast about any other actor, like who would it be? And I feel like the the top of my list so far, which it has was um, uh, what's his fucking name, um, uh, from the Doors. Uh, Jim Morrison? No, yes, Jim Morrison. Oh, no, oh. Uh, <laughs> Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> but um, but that's that sucks because he's been in too many bad things. But I was thinking, Willem Dafoe. Yes, Willem Dafoe would actually be like he's worked with just as many really interesting artists as Cage and directors and other actors. He's been in a lot of good films and. Uh, it's probably more good than bad when it comes to William Defoe. Yeah, his first so. his first film was Heaven's Gate with Oh, but when yeah. And uh I mean The Loveless, Streets of Fire, pl- oh. Platoon to, with our To boy. Live and Die in LA. To, like, oh yeah. Last Temptation. But when you guys get to Antichrist, don't tell me. Ooh. Yeah. But okay, but that's a chance. You know, we could talk about Von Trier, who I have a lot of thoughts about. Um, you know, Cry Baby, John Waters. Oh, he's been in Oh, it's my favorite movie. Great, great movie. He's in Basquiat. He's in Existence. He worked with Cronenberg. He's, you, oh, yeah. Um, Spider Man. Dude, worked with what? Robert oh, my God. I completely forgot about that fucking movie until right now. That movie Existence? profoundly, Existence? like, freaked me out when I first saw it. Yeah. Dude, it is, yeah. like, really disturbing. I, I should rewatch Existence. It's, that's a really bizarre movie. And also, like none of the none of the future video game technology is like, you're you're like you this it's not like based on anything in actuality. It's like he no. just pulled it from his head. He's like, oh, there's a weird like pod sack thing. Like, all right, yeah. that's that's a video game. Mm-hmm. You're like, what? I'm, that's that scene in the Chinese restaurant. Like, yeah. you know, is is unfuckwithable. Oh, it's God. so it's so gross and cool. And <clears throat> I also I love without spoiling anything for people who haven't seen it because you should. Um, is like there's I that has one of my favorite things that a movie will do where like everything feels really stilted and artificial and like and you're like what is why does it have this tone and then you just realize that there are like layers of artifice and reality that it's like playing with yeah that uh uh in a really like satisfying fun way Oh, but so good. anyway, I mean, yes, he's he was in Antichrist. He was in Finding Nemo, <laughs> The Life Aquatic. He was in Triple X State of the Union. He was oh, in Mis- recently rewatched that, by the way. Mm. Re- rewatched. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How does it hold up? Um, just as much as you'd expect it to, which is it didn't hold up the first time it came out. No, nope. definitely not. Hold it up it didn't get better. Uh, if, no. if if I can digress, funny story about that movie. One time my mom called me. She's like, yeah, your dad and I are outside a movie theater. Like we're trying to figure out what, you know, like what movie we want to see. Uh, have you heard of this movie State of the Union? And I was like, no, I don't know that one. Like I have no idea what that is. I've never even heard of it. And she was like, oh, okay. Well, it seems to be really popular. So there's a lot of people like waiting in line for it. So like we might go see that one. I was like, okay, whatever. And then she... They come out of the movie and they like, she calls me like afterward and she's like, okay, so it was called Triple X, State of the Union, and also <laughs> not what we thought it was. And I was like, oh, if I had known, like, I didn't put together 
I was like, if I had known that's what you were asking me about, I would have been like, don't go see that movie. <laughs> I thought it was some kind of like governmental historical drama or something, or, it's, or like a political I, thriller. It's called State of the Union. I was like, yeah, you, you might like it. Go see it. Like, I, lo- I thought of like Olympus. Olympus is falling when you said State of the <laughs> Union. I would, I would think that type of movie. I, I, I like uh, picturing your mom like seeing a bunch of teenagers lining up to see something called State of the Union and being like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> it must be really good. It's a movie about America, but it's got broad appeal and some sort of like mass. And uh, that's I love yeah. that. I love that. Yeah. a lot. Anyway. I've, I still uh, haven't seen it, but the original Triple X was fun when I was stoned and I saw it. <laughs> I rewatched all three Triple Xs. There's three this of them. Year. Yeah. Is What's, he not? Who, who's in the is, third is, one? Is he in all of them, or do, do they? Swap no, because the it's Ice Cube is in. The, no, no, no. He's not in the, the second one. one, and then he comes back for the third one. Wait. Okay. So, so Vin Diesel has he he's he's Triple X. He's Riddick. And he's uh, uh, Dom Tur- Toretto. Dom, what, yeah. Dom Toretto, yeah. yeah. Um, iconic. So many iconic roles. Iconic. And by the way, Triple X, the third one is just called Return of Xander Cage. Ah, that does ring a bell. Xander Cage. It came out in 2017. So is wait. So is Triple X like a James Bond situation where it's like a diff- It's like the name of the agent, and it's like a different person. Sort of. So it's like this. <laughs> no, yeah. Go on. We have time. <laughs> I mean, I'm genuinely um, curious. I want to so know. If I remember correctly, it's kind of like a department within the FBI that they like, mm. op- or like Secret Service that yes, they open the up. the X department. And the, yeah, it's because that they're like all extreme sports people. And so <laughs> they hire these like extreme sports people to take over and fill these roles of beating bad guys, even though they have absolutely no training at all except the fact that they can like ride motorcycles and also surf and also skateboard i'm pretty sure in the third one he rides a motorcycle on the waves of the ocean oh that rules i should i should so, watch those uh, i'm just saying i'm pretty sure yeah the triple x is like a a, a section within the within the fbi is it the fbi or like secret service or like one of those I like it's like I like that Britain has the MI6 and it's like like really suave dudes in like tuxedos like and like uh, lying and and playing like I don't know gentlemanly games of uh, chance and uh, like slipping poison to each other and America just has a something called triple x which is just sports stars <laughs> writing <laughs> doing extreme sports yeah it's it's it's, fu- it's fucking vin diesel on rollerblades you're like what? but, he, like, but oh. he's rollerblading in like the sahara for some reason i can't remember i also feel like i feel like it's like both it's like the group is named triple x but then also his nickname is triple x and then it just kind of carries on to the next one too so it's like all types of damn you know damn. yeah that's what it is it's like it's both. It's like they gave him the nickname Triple X, but also I think they named the department after him after he leaves it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> God well, damn it. <laughs> on that note, uh, next time we're going to be talking about 2016's Army of One, uh, directed by Larry Charles and co-starring Russell Brand as God. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, okay. I don't know. Did you see that one? Have Ashley? you seen this one? Yeah. That is one I have not watched okay. yet. Okay. 
I don't. I'm not a big Russell Brand fan. It's I mean, like who is? Me to, and if you are, I don't want to know you. Quite honestly, but um, <laughs> maybe I'll watch it and just text you guys and be like, I did it just for the hell of it, and now I hate my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Well, but if you have thoughts on it, then uh, we'll we'll include them in the episode for sure. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And. And Miles, I'm telling you, if we if we ever run out of Cage films or we hit a dry spell, we should start watching some Defoe. Cause dude, this I'm list so is, down. This list is unfuckwithable, and yeah. uh, it's 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 pretty insane. I haven't seen. Yeah, I an, should. A, and and he's he's also an equally versatile actor too. Yeah, you know, he, like, he's not afraid it's to not be really like, weird. Yeah, like it's not the same. You don't get the same Defoe like. No. Um, in any movie, so and, that's and he that's cool. always elevates it. He always brings it. To, he 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 always brings it and does something weird and interesting. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, um, all right. Well, cool. With that said, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. Um, would you do us a favor and uh, give us your best Panther roar? Of course, it was an honor to be on here. Uh, <laughs> beautiful amazing (laughs) lovely uh thanks until next time bye i guess that's our official sign off (laughs) yeah all right stopping recording thanks ashley (laughs) see you later yeah that was fun thanks guys